This is the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Hey, it's great to have you back for another episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. We are incredibly passionate about building leaders because we know when the leader gets better, everyone gets better. If you are a first-time listener to our podcast, we release a brand new teaching on the first Thursday of every single month. It's my honor that you join us again this month. I love hearing from you. If you want to send any kind of thoughts, ideas, questions, responses, uh, you can email me at leadership at life.church. And if you'd like to receive the show notes ahead of time, we'd love to send them to you. You can simply go to life.church slash leadership podcast. Let us know that you'd like the notes and we'd be happy to send them to you. I want to say, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who have reviewed this or rated uh, the teaching, and especially for those of you who help get the word out on social media, it means the world to me when you invite others uh, to join in with us in our leadership community. Uh, let me tell you this. Next month, we're going to address and start a two-part teaching, uh, a subject that's one of the most important subjects that you rarely hear anyone talk about. I've studied leadership for years. I've never heard a talk on this subject. I found one book that addresses it kind of as a side point. But what we want to do is we want to talk about an incredibly important subject that will apply to your families, to your businesses, to your nonprofit. The technical term would be asset allocation or resource allocation. But what we want to do is talk about how do we invest what we have in the right places for the biggest return uh, for our mission. That'll be next month. Uh, today, what I want to do is talk about motivating your team. A lot of people ask questions about motivating. How do we motivate someone who doesn't seem very motivated? How do we keep our team highly motivated and engaged so they're performing at their highest? Uh, we have to acknowledge that there are few things more frustrating than working around a team member that seems rather unmotivated. And there's few things more exciting than working around a team member that's an attack dog, that's highly engaged, always bringing their best. Let's start with an understanding of motivation because I believe that so many leaders actually begin with a wrong assumption about motivation. The wrong assumption is people think he's unmotivated or she's unmotivated. What we have to recognize is this, people are not unmotivated. Everyone is motivated. They're just not motivated by the same things. Let me say it again. People are not unmotivated. Everyone is motivated. They're just not motivated by the same things. For example, one guy might be motivated to invest what he has to multiply it. Another guy's motivated not to invest, not to take risks so he can protect what he has. Uh, a lady may be motivated to try and, uh, and achieve and take risks to do new things, while her friend might be motivated to avoid new things so that she doesn't fail. We're motivated by different things. Someone on your team might be motivated by winning, someone else by being included, someone else by contributing or making a difference, someone else by growing personally or by power or by a sense of security or advancing in their career. You may say, well, you don't know my teenager. <laughs> my teenager is absolutely and completely unmotivated. All he does is plays video games, uh, eats Doritos, and sleeps in late. And what I want to tell you is 
your teenager is absolutely and completely motivated. He is motivated to play video games, to eat Doritos, and to sleep in late. Everyone is motivated. We're just motivated by different things. So if we start with that understanding, it can help us to better motivate those who are already motivated by different things. So here's my definition of uh, motivation. This is my definition of a leader's uh, look at motivation. What is it? It is the art of leading someone to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. The leader's definition of motivation, the art of leading someone to do what you want them to do or what will help your organization because they want to do it. How do we as leaders motivate our team around us? Let's talk about two things to avoid when motivating, then we'll look at what we're going to do. Two things to avoid. The first thing we wanna avoid is using fear and threats. Avoid using fear and threats. If you've ever had a supervisor or a boss that scared you, it's almost impossible to work in a climate of fear. I had a boss years ago that would yell at us and then take us aside later on and said, I'm yelling at you because I love you. I'm like, no, you're yelling because you're psycho. And I mean, it was, I was totally and completely afraid. Uh, if you've ever been under uh, a boss that scared you, intimidated you, threatened you, you know is very hard to perform uh, when you're consumed with fear. What we have to recognize as leaders, sometimes people think, well, fear gets them going. Fear may get short-term results, but once fear is removed, so is motivation. Over time, fear is always a demotivator. Why? Because threats kill trust and leadership cannot thrive where there is no trust. Many leaders would say, well, I would never threaten and I never ever use fear. And let me just say this, we as leaders often do this without even knowing that we're doing it. How do we unintentionally create a climate or culture of fear? Here's some different ways. One way is sometimes we as leaders, we overreact without knowing all the facts. I do this, I overreact. I start blaming others before I listen to the whole story. We overreact without knowing all the facts and therefore we unintentionally create a climate of fear. Another thing we do, and I want you to pay careful attention to this is, is this, we often ask the wrong kinds of questions. When we ask the wrong kinds of questions, we can create a climate of fear. For example, if you're a parent, you may say to your child, when you know your child probably didn't do her homework, you might say, did you finish your homework? What you've done is you've put your child on the defensive and she either has to lie or make excuses. A better question would be, how's your homework coming? Then you're engaged to help. You're not lording over your child, creating a climate of fear. For example, I was working with a group of team members on our staff and I knew that one team had completed a goal and we always ask them to celebrate to help create the win. I knew intuitively that this team probably didn't celebrate the win. And so I was about to ask the question, did you celebrate the win? Had I done that, what I would have done is put them on the defensive and instead of celebrating with them the win, I would have forced them to say, no, we hadn't done it. Instead, thankfully, I took a step back and said, uh, have you had a chance to celebrate yet? And the leader said, no, we haven't, but here's what we're gonna do. And I kept it a positive situation when by my, my question, I could have turned something that was good into something that made someone defensive. We can ask the wrong kind of questions. We can also be passive aggressive. 
You're probably thinking of someone else right now. We need to look in the mirror because we often do this. How are we passive aggressive? Uh, One way is we don't give timely and truthful feedback. We might be disappointed by something that someone does, but we don't tell them. Uh, People don't know where they stand when we do this. We might be vague or inconsistent in what we expect. We have expectations, but we don't communicate them clearly or we change our expectations. People are guessing and they're afraid they're gonna be wrong. Sometimes we're unrealistic in our demands. And all of my team might say, Craig, you're talking to yourself right now. And this is, without knowing it, some of the ways that we create a culture of fear. The final way is this, we can be careless with power. We can be careless with power. Uh, um, Someone called the seagull leadership. What does a seagull do? A seagull flies in, unloads whatever a seagull unloads, if you know what I'm talking about, and then flies away. I can do this in meetings sometimes. I might not be involved normally in a meeting. I come into the meeting, I tell them I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, and then I fly away. What is that? Swoop and poop, okay? Uh, I know that's kind of gross, but you'll remember it. Don't swoop and poop. Don't be a seagull leader. Don't fly in, unload on everybody, and then leave. That's being careless with power, and what have you done? You just created a climate of fear, and people can't perform well when they're afraid. That's demotivating. Two things to avoid uh, creating a demotivating culture. One, avoid fear and threats. Number two, avoid handing out candy and promises. Avoid handing out candy and promises. If you've ever been around a parent with a frustrating two-year-old at the store, the parent says, stop, 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 please stop, please stop, okay, I'll buy the candy, just be quiet. Sometimes we do the very same thing unknowingly with our team members. We treat them like a donkey with a carrot. We say, I'll give you this reward if you do a good job. Essentially, we're saying you're a donkey. You're not smart, you're unmotivated, you're stubborn, therefore you need an incentive. A lot of times people treat money this way. We think we, we use money to motivate. While money is very important for people to live, money is not one of the greatest motivators. In fact, in your role, think about this. When's the last time that you are loving your job, doing what you were created to do, feeling incredibly fulfilled? In that moment, how much of your salary was actually a part of that feeling of significance? Probably not a whole lot. Money is important in order to treat people fairly and to reward them, but it's not the biggest and best motivator. In fact, if we're not careful, if we're always giving people outside rewards for their work, we're gonna unintentionally cheapen the internal satisfaction. And if if team member always needs a reward from the outside, then we're never creating true motivation from the inside. So we're gonna avoid fears and threats and we're gonna avoid handing out candy and promises. Now, how do we motivate in a way that lasts? Let's talk about three different things we're gonna do. We're gonna talk going from number three backwards to number one. We're gonna talk about the last thing, number three, then two, and then the most important thing. So let's start with number three. How do we motivate in a way that lasts? Number three, when all else fails, we discipline. When we've tried everything else and we can't get someone motivated, then we're gonna discipline. Why are we gonna do this? Because one of the most demotivating things we can do as a leader is consistently accept unacceptable performance. Let me say it again. One of the most demotivating things you can do as a leader is consistently to allow someone else to underperform on your team. That hurts the entire team. 
If you want to lose the respect and motivation of other team members, do not address a problem. Allow someone to always be late to a meeting. Turn away when one team member is disrespectful to another one. Ignore someone who's being consistently divisive or gossiping. Promote someone who is incompetent. I was always taught that you reward and celebrate in public and you discipline in private. That's not always the case. We need to remember that sometimes discipline needs to be public because we do the offender a favor letting others know that the issue is addressed and resolved. I had a guy that would miss an important meeting or always show up late, and I disciplined him privately, but then I said to everybody else, I want you to know in front of everybody, I talked to him, and he knows if he misses a meeting again, just keep on driving because we don't do that here. And what that did is that actually let him, let everybody else know this issue has been addressed. That was the right time to address it publicly. When all else fails, discipline. Private discipline, if we're going to talk to them, what do we want to do? We've talked about this before. We want to create a climate of safety where we tell them what's not happening. You're not losing your job. You're not, you know, I'm not coming after you. I don't hate you. But we've got a problem and we need to address it. What we want to do very specifically is show them how their underperformance impacts others. For example, it might be, uh, hey, when you don't return emails, you're communicating to our customers that you do not care about them. Uh, I went to a great restaurant one time and the chef was fantastic and the bathrooms were dirty. What some employee needs to know is, I will not go back to that restaurant because if the bathrooms are dirty, I'm wondering, is the kitchen dirty? So one employee's lack of right actions communicated to me, this is not a place of excellence. One employee can hurt the reputation of that whole restaurant. We need to communicate to our team members, this is what your action or inaction is actually causing others. And we want to show people how they're viewed by others. For example, they may think they're funny, Everyone else thinks they're sarcastic. They may think they're bold. Everyone else thinks they're a jerk. We want to discipline in a way where they can understand why this matters. We're going to communicate very specifically what they need to hear or change, and then we're going to ask them to repeat back to us what they heard us saying. Number three, in motivating, when all else fails, we're going to discipline. The second thing we need to do is this. We need to create a culture of appreciation. The single biggest reason that people will leave an organization is because they don't feel appreciated. If you want to motivate, appreciate. If you want to motivate, appreciate. How do we appreciate? We don't think it, we show it. Here's a rule. Appreciate more than you think you should, then double the appreciation that you show. I am completely serious. Appreciate more than what feels natural, more than you think you should, and then realize you're just getting started. Then double it from there. How do you do it? There's so many different ways. Get creative. Brag on your team to people who are close to them. For example, if you've got a, a husband that comes in and you got a star wife, you know, that's she's, she's amazing on your team. You say to the husband, man, we couldn't even make it here without your wife. She is so fantastic. What's he going to do? He's going to go right back and tell her. Someone's dad comes. Oh, my gosh, your daughter is amazing. Tell that person, and then that's going to get back to them. Um, don't just find what's wrong. Celebrate what's right. Don't just correct when someone does something wrong, but when someone just does anything good, celebrate it. For example, in parenting, we often notice when our kids are fighting, but we rarely brag on them when they're not. Like, oh my gosh, you guys are getting along so well today. This is fantastic. Like in my world, when I stand up to talk, um, there's a light guy. 
There's a light person everywhere that I am, and no one ever notices the light person until he or she misses a cue. What I wanna do is I wanna say, hey, light person, you nailed it, 53 weeks in a row, you've never ever missed a cue. Don't just find what's wrong, celebrate what's right. Get creative, write notes, show appreciation, take people out, brag on them, do it publicly, do it privately. Be creative if you want to motivate, appreciate. Then, how do we motivate? Well, number three, when all else fails, we discipline. Number two, we're gonna create a culture of appreciation, and that's so, so, so important. And then number one, model motivation. Model it. In your own life, make sure that you're motivated because you as a leader set the tone for your organization. If you're lacking passion, eventually your team's gonna lack passion. If you lack motivation, your team's gonna lack motivation. They will follow the tone you set. If you come in every day passionate about the mission, the vision of your organization, your team's gonna see it and they're gonna rise to your level of passion. I like what the legendary coach John Wooden said, the most powerful leadership tool you have is your own personal example. What do we know about modeling it? You always inspire more by your example than by your words. Show it, live it, don't just talk about it. And rather than just focusing on motivating others, focus on motivating yourself. In fact, I might argue that one of the most valuable things I do as a leader is work on motivating myself. Every single morning I wake up and I go through a very similar routine. And I'm gonna tell you just a small portion of what I say to myself every single day to motivate myself. This is probably about one fourth of what I say to myself. And I understand some of what I'm gonna say is spiritual because I am a spiritual person. I know that some of you are not followers of Christ and I don't wanna to try to push my beliefs on you, but I hope you'll respect that this is what I say to me because this is important to me. Every day, this is a small portion of what I say. I declare, Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and I will lay down my life to serve her. I love people and believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I develop leaders. That's not something I do, it's who I am. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. I love my job. It's not just a job, it's a calling. I will bring my best and then some. It's what I do after I bring my best that makes the difference. The world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. That's a small portion of what I say to myself every single day before I come into the office and what does it do? It, it motivates me, it lifts me, it elevates my passion to lead others toward the mission. One of the most valuable things you can do is motivate yourself and then you will motivate others. So we've covered a lot, let's review and then please stick with me till the very end because we've got some application questions. You may wanna go over this with your team or you'll, you'll certainly wanna do it yourself. Uh, let's review. Most people start with the wrong assumption. He's unmotivated, she's unmotivated. People are not unmotivated. Everyone is motivated, they're just motivated by different things. Our definition of motivation is this, the art of leading someone to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. Two things to avoid when motivating. Avoid fear and threats. 
Fear may get short-term results, but once fear is removed, so is motivation. Over time, fear is always a demotivator. Here's how we unintentionally create fear. We overreact without knowing all the facts. We ask the wrong kinds of questions. We can be passive aggressive and we can be careless with power. Don't, you know what, don't swoop and poop. Second thing is we're gonna avoid handing out candy and promises because outside rewards often cheapen internal satisfaction. If you always need, if someone always needs a reward from the outside, then we're not creating true motivation from the inside. So how do we motivate in a way that lasts? Number three, the last thing is when all else fails, we discipline. Because one of the most demotivating things we can do as a leader is consistently accept unacceptable performance. Remember, sometimes discipline needs to be public because we're doing the offender a favor, letting everyone else know that it's addressed. In private discipline, we're creating a climate of safety. We're showing our team member how their underperformance impacts others. We show them how they're being viewed by others, and then we communicate very specifically, here's what needs to change, and we ask them, would you repeat it back? We wanna make sure they understand it. Number three, when all else fails, we discipline. Number two, we create a culture of appreciation. If you wanna motivate, you appreciate. And we're gonna appreciate more than what feels natural or more than even we think we should, then we're going to double it. We're gonna brag on team members. We're gonna get very creative. We're not just gonna pick out what's wrong. We're gonna celebrate what's right. And then we are going to model motivation because we set the tone for the organization. We always inspire more by our example than by our words. All right, let's bring this to application. Some questions. Number one, very important. What do you think is the number one most demotivating thing you do in your leadership? This may be a difficult question to answer. If you can't answer it, you might even ask some team members around you. What do you think is the number one most demotivating thing you do in your leadership? It might be uh, creating a climate of fear. It might be treating people like a donkey, always giving them the, the carrot. Uh, for me, whenever I'm highly engaged, and this is most of the time, I'm also highly critical. I can be too hard on people when things are going really, really well. Ask yourself, what do you think is the number one most demotivating thing you do in your leadership? Then, if you're really daring, and I hope that you are, ask your team member to honestly answer that question in light of your leadership. Number two, we talked about the idea of one of the most demotivating things a leader can do is consistently accept unacceptable performance. Here's a question. Uh, what is one problem that you've been tolerating that it's time for you to address? Really important. In your leadership, there may be a person, something in the culture, uh, a lack of excellence, a lack of passion, a lack of accountability. Uh, what is it? What is one problem that you've been tolerating that it's time for you to address? Question number three. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, how good are you at showing appreciation? What will you do specifically to move that number higher? If you tell me you're a four, it's got to go up. If you tell me a five, it's got to go up. If you tell me you're an eight, guess what? It's got to go up. You want that thing pegged at a 9.5. You'll probably never be a 10, but you want to be, be a master at showing appreciation. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at showing appreciation? What will you specifically do to move that number higher? And number four, what can you do daily to raise your personal motivation? Super important question. What can you do daily, every day? Every day matters. 
in the heart of a leader. When you come in, you set the tone for the organization because as it goes with a leader, so it goes with the team. Now, remember, we'll be back on the first Thursday of next month, and we're going to talk about, honestly, a subject that I've been wanting to talk on for years. It's something not a lot of people talk about. It will impact your organization. You'll probably want to listen to this with other team members. Again, thank you, thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for rating or reviewing. It actually helps the podcast become more visible. I love that you listen to this with many of your team members. As a leader, you make such a big difference. I hope you see yourself as a leader. And what do you do? Be yourself. Be yourself. Be who you're created to be. Remember, people would rather follow a leader as always real than one who's always right. Thanks again for joining us for the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Many of you are joining us on podcasting apps or YouTube. So if you're looking for show notes for this episode or past episodes, head to life.church slash leadership podcast. You can also find discussion questions or links to resources that Craig mentioned on today's podcast on that site. And if you'd like this to land in your inbox every month, you can sign up for that there as well. Also, if you're in the Austin, Texas, Denver, Colorado, or Lexington, Kentucky areas, Craig is coming to your town in March for the Catalyst One Day Conference. He'll be teaching alongside speakers like Dr. Henry Cloud, Lisa Turkhurst, Levi Lesko, and Chris Hodges. Go to CatalystOneDay.com to reserve your tickets today. If you enjoy learning from Craig on this podcast, you can help get the word out by subscribing to this podcast. You can rate and review it on iTunes, and you can share it on social media with your friends. Until next time, thank you for joining us for the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast.